This is Foul Players Radio, your podcast for arts, entertainment, and pop culture. Welcome. My name is Michael Spedden, your host. Every episode features fun, fascinating stories about people in the performing arts, actors, authors, dancers, writers, musicians, athletes, you name it. Folks who are center stage, backstage, on camera, or behind the scenes. Sit back and listen. Let's have some fun. Foul Players Radio is a proud production of the Foul Players Group and the official podcast of the Foul Players of Perryville. And welcome back to Foul Players Radio, folks. Let's give a big Dundalk welcome to somebody from my neck of the woods, Mr. Nestor Aparicio. You know, Dundalk, they say, is probably one of the biggest little small towns in America where just about everybody knows each other. But, you know, I have to say with Nestor... I really only think I met him for like five seconds one time at Steeltown about 30 years ago. But I tell you what, I really enjoyed having him on the program. You know, a couple of old Dundalk boys sitting down and talking music, concerts, hammerjacks, Baltimore sports, Baltimore sportscasters and sports writers, his favorite rock and roll interviews and more. He's quite a conversationalist indeed. If there's anything I'll say about Nestor, he definitely has the gift of gab. He told us about his recent 30-day crab cake tour across the state of Maryland. He got to visit parts of the state that he had never been to before and taste all kinds of crab cakes. And he said he had some great ones, some good ones, and you know a couple that weren't quite that great. Um, he also told us a lot about his podcast, Baltimore Positive, where he has conversations with all kinds of guests about important issues that involve the state of Maryland and Baltimore City. I highly recommend his podcast. It's really well done. Um, some really good conversations on there. Uh, www.baltimorepositive.com. Subscribe for free at www.foulplayersradio.com or listen wherever you find podcasts online, no matter what platform you listen on. You can help us greatly by giving us a fair review and a five-star rating. Also, be sure to visit our page on Patreon.com. Help us pay some bills, folks. www.patreon.com slash foulplayersradio. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The Foul Players of Perryville are back and doing murder mysteries, and we have shows booked for the fall and winter of 2021 into 2022. See our schedule at www.foulplayersofperryville.com. For bookings, we can be reached by phone at 443-600-0446 or by email at foulplayersperryville at yahoo.com. We'll be right back with Nestor Aparicio. Hey folks, welcome back to Foul Players Radio. We have a guest tonight that I'm sure you all know, especially if you live in the Baltimore area. We have Mr. Nestor Aparicio here tonight. Um, Nestor's done lots of things in this area here. You know, he's worked for the Sun Paper. He's had WNST. He's had Baltimore Positive. Worked at Hammerjacks. Done lots of great things. So welcome. Welcome this evening, Nestor. Good to have you, bud. I never really worked at Hammerjacks. Louie never paid me, but I never paid him either. Okay. Except I bought a couple okay. of beers, but I worked for the Sun, so I, I worked at Hammerjacks, but I worked at Merriweather, the Capitol Center, all those places as a media member, but not as an employee. I did work at Soundwaves at East Point Mall as an employee, summer 84. There you go. Oh, there you go. There you go. Yeah, I, I was uh, referred to you by Bud Becker, who I've had on my program a number of times, you know, telling me all the stories that he's had, not only from Hammerjacks, but being on the road with all these great rock acts throughout the 60s and 70s. And um, 
I was glad to finally get you here. You know, I, I just mentioned to you a little bit earlier, you know, we're both Dundalk boys. We're both the same age. We would have been in school together if I would have gone there. Um, you know, but, uh, the one thing I, if you, you were know, lucky enough to have gone to Dundalk, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, but, uh, the one thing I wanted to mention is I did meet you once and, um, it was at steel town. Um, oh I my think, God, that, yeah. that was 1989, 91, two in there. 1991. I think it was. Okay. And, all right. And here's how it went. I was, um, I was there with my bandmates. We were in a band called orange seed parade at the time we had just finished, or we had been you know, working on our you know album. And, um, was this were, like when I was the music critic at the paper or was yes, I gone yes, by that? Yes. Yeah. You were the music critic at the see, paper. When steel town came, like was right at the end of my, like I ended, I, my, one of my last reviews or interviews I did was in November of 1991 was David Bowie. And uh-huh. I left the paper in January of 92. So I don't know when steel town was there, but it wasn't there long. Was yeah, Mike Brohart, was it Mickey Coachella? Who was involved in running steel town? I don't remember. Um, I know it was in the parking lot of North Point, you know, where the flea market is. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Sure. Yeah. But we were like, um, we were like, hey, we ought to say you said, send me a tape. And we're like, we we were like, oh, then we were like, oh, hell no. (laughs) We were afraid to send it to you. Why? (laughs) We were afraid you wouldn't like it. People send me music all the time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the one thing that I guess I didn't understand when I was 18 years old and I did when it came to publicists, you know, that they were uh-huh. looking for me to write about their band, but there were local bands that wanted me to write about them to have a clip in the paper, and how yeah, important yeah. that would be that their name would be in the paper or whatever. And I, I never, it was never like lost on me that people, it was important to them. You know, yeah, yeah. I'm dear friends with John Allen as well. Oh, my yeah. lifelong friends from child's play and uh-huh. SR 71 and Trump city devils and whatever. And you know, his band with Brian Jack and Idzy and, um, and, and Nikki K they wrath yep. child America popped uh-huh. up. They were all chasing kicks, right? They were all the Baltimore Beatles. And, yeah, um, yeah. and, and that was the fun part of the local circuit uh-huh. was that, you know, at one point, poison open for child's play they did they did seagull mm-hmm. so you know the, the bands on their way up and on their way down and all that i when i read um steve gorman's book on the black crows and he talked about the atlanta music scene that there was a hierarchy and all that mm-hmm. it was very much that way here you know and Susie mud would come out and write about your band or uh you know i would come out and write about the band or whatever huh. but I, I I like doing local stuff and the paper wanted local stuff. So local mm-hmm. bands and the local stages, anybody that felt like beyond words was a band. And even when uh-huh. I was a kid, paper cup and short, paper patrol, cup, short patrol, paper cup yeah. and short patrol. Those bands were huge. Uh-huh. Did you go to Stanstock by any chance? I haven't. It seems like you know, when you, so the one thing is, is that you run into when you're a performer is that, you know, other people, you know, you, you have your friends that are performers. They can't come see you because they're performing. It seems like every year there's been stand stock. I've always had a gig or something I've had to do, and I've just not been able to do it, you know, which is horrible. But I'd, I'd love to come out and support it, you know. Well, um, Stan was um, my parents and Stan's parents were best friends in the world. Is that so right? If you think, you know, Fred Nethel and Lucy and Ricky, my parents <laughs> sure, and yeah. his parents were best friends. They're much older than me. All the Gibson family, they were a generation, you know, older than they, they were my stepbrothers, eight, born in the, in the, in the, the late forties, early fifties, early sixties. I was born in the late sixties, uh-huh. but we spent every holiday at their house and Stan, 
Gibson was the first person to ever take me to a radio station. It was Thanksgiving night, and his friend was spinning tunes at WEBB, mm-hmm. uh, which became one of my first radio stations at 1360. It yep. was over off of North Avenue, um, you know, off where the Dunbar Athletic, the Poet Clubs, uh, was on the north side of North Avenue. Yes. Challenge yes. neighborhood, even in 1978, right? Uh-huh. But but uh, he took me over there to deliver Thanksgiving dinner to a man named Curtis Anderson. Anyone who's old school here would remember Curtis Anderson as a jock. I never, apparently he passed recently in, in, in the last 10 years, but I never met him in adulthood. And I wish I would have, because I was a little boy with Stan Gibson driving on Thanksgiving night over to North Avenue to deliver Miss, Miss Gert, his mother, uh, and Mr. Sam, his father, made the best kielbasa and sauerkraut. And we delivered that to the radio station when I was wow. a little boy. And I guess it made some sort of an impression upon me. All I ever really wanted to do was be a newspaper writer, right? Literally. Huh. I never thought of being in radio, being on the radio, being a disc jockey, interviewing people, certainly not owning an FCC license for 23 years. Uh, and I grew <laughs> up in Tom Pless's high school, right? So yeah, talking yeah. about old school stuff, that mm-hmm. things that born of Hammer Jackson of music, the radio station at Dundalk High School was an amazing thing that I never really participated in. And it was in my homeroom. Brillhart, wow. you know, Derek, all those people that were involved, Tom Pless, mm-hmm. in running that radio station, still to this day running the underground at 97 Underground. Uh, I have, you know, I have these old school stories. I've sort of touched and weaved through all of these people over all this time. I Maybe I'm the Forrest Gump of Baltimore music. I don't know. <laughs> maybe so, maybe so. Um I mean, and you're, you're touching on so many great things that I remember too, you know, um, you know, uh, 97 underground, you know, my band got airplay on there. We got interviewed on there one time with Krista Kyle. Um, that was a great thing because, um, now I remember back in those days, 98 rock WAVA and DC and a number of other ones, th- those radio stations used to put out, they used to support local music with their concert hotlines and everything, but they had they did an 11 o'clock albums. hour or they did a weekend show, yeah. right? That lo- local artists, local licks, Sunday morning, whatever. Mm-hmm. There was a place yeah. for band. And it was the only place you could get discovered in 1985 yep, other yep. than handing a tape to a music critic at the paper. Right, right, and, right, right. And I was writing about David Bowie, not about your band at Steeltown or whatever, but I did always, <laughs> if a band was, listen, if a band was going to get signed, mm-hmm. I wrote about, um, mannequin was another oh, yeah. band mm-hmm. that, you know, had a lot of juice. The loft Brian is still a Facebook friend of mine for the oh, loft. Yeah. They, they weren't necessarily a signed band. And Ronnie Furman was always trying to get the, um, the Woody signed and the, mm-hmm. the Woodbury, whatever the hell they were called. Woodbury Greenberry Kitchen. woods, Greenberry woods. I call yeah, it Woodbury yeah. kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> that's a restaurant <laughs> yeah i know i know i know um but the, what i was you know saying too is that you know these stations they had their albums out with local bands on them but it seems like 97 underground almost took it one step further you know they had their album out with and i've had half the guests on the show too um or half of the people on that album as guests on my show but um they were also um they were the ones that really made the local acts a staple of their airplay, um, you know, much more so than you know just having like a specialized show, um, you know, like ninety eight rock or one. Well, they're one part of the furniture act, of what you do in yeah, the way yeah. that Baltimore things are a part of the furniture of what I do, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I feel it with one hundred point seven in the way they embrace the Ravens and the yes. way they embrace mm-hmm. Crack the Sky, yeah, and the yeah, way they yeah. embrace Kicks, mm-hmm. and that's that's. It should be that way, right? I mean, really. Yes, yes. That's, that, that if you're not getting 
played in your hometown. Yeah, I'm a big Rush fan, right? You know, Rush broke on the radio in America in Cleveland, even though they mm-hmm. were a Canadian band, because you could hear the music across the water. Yep. And a Cleveland disc jockey took interest in a song. Uh-huh. And 50 years later, and Neil Peart, you know, RIP, but we still know that band because somebody gave him a chance and, mm-hmm. and played their record, you know, and yeah. um, that was the power of Wolfman Jack. It's the reason in my FCC license, there's a whole plugola thing. Uh-huh. Right, 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 <laughs> right. You can't do that. Um, mm-hmm. But that was the Wild Wild West, right, in the 70s. Did you ever see the um, the HBO show that I'm wearing the shirt? Uh, oh. Vinyl? Yes, I'd, I've seen I. I'd seen a bit of it. I hadn't seen the whole series though, but yeah, well, it was only a handful of shows and they, right. they pulled a plug on it, but it was Mick Jagger's kid. The nasty bits were the band. They were the British band with the mm-hmm. singer who had the drug problem, who was screwing the PR girl from the record company and everybody. <laughs> so, it, you know, it was a whole, like, it was great, but mm-hmm. that really portrayed in, in many respects. And it was, you know, hyper crazy drugged up and like all that, which I, I have no, doubt that 1975 a record label would be like that oh, but yeah. the stories and the way it was portrayed was such a fun th- and some people hated it I, a lot of my friends a lot of my rock and roll friends hated it i loved it i want them to make more of it but that wild wild west of how bands got signed how they got managed the drugs uh-huh. they did the girls the record companies the money where it came from how they got in vans i mean it's all very romantic right uh-huh. that they were all chasing an airplane like led zeppelin had or the rolling stones had right uh-huh. still chasing that <laughs> yeah yeah i know i know and um and how the how how music has changed and everything over the years when it comes to compensation for the actual artists you know um I'm hearing about, you know, how the guys back in those days had the Rolls Royces and the mansions and the airplanes and everything. And then nowadays they're getting a 10th of a cent for a stream, you know, a <laughs> big difference, you know, well, I mean, especially you know? when the royalty checks come on that side. Right. Yeah, and there were right. a lot of art. I mean, the Beatles and a whole bunch mm-hmm. of artists, right. Prince, you know, that would say, we're not going to be on Spotify. We're not going to be, uh, have our music stolen. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, look, it all started with Napster, right? And no, it all started with mixtapes. It all started when yes, it I did. could. And this, my parents took me um, to, to the mall back in 79 or 80. We had boom mm-hmm. boxes, right? Yep. The boom box had the ability to tape mm-hmm. off the radio. Yes, it so did. So like yep. in 1979 on WLPL, mm-hmm. I was telling Donna Jean Rumbly this, right? That, you know, WLPA, they would play Island Girl for me, uh, Elton John. They Uh would play uh, I Want You to Want Me Mm -hmm. uh, back in the day. And I would record that, put it on a Kmart tape. Mm -hmm. That's how I had Rush's Moving Pictures. That's how I had (laughs) Styx's Paradise Theater. Styx's Paradise Theater debuted at 11 o'clock on a Saturday night. I stayed up. My parents bought me a stereo. It was beautiful. Like, if I could get that stereo again, it was a York's. It had yep. green and red like things that went up and down when when Kevin Cronin sang, uh, you know, uh, oh yeah, the Oreo uh, Speedwagon songs. <laughs> it, it had the lights. It looked like a real radio. It looked like WKRP <laughs> when you were eleven in nineteen eighty in Dundalk. Believe yeah, me. yeah. But it had the record button on it, mm-hmm. and you could record the radio as long as you could get to get a Memorex or a tape or a Kmart tape or mm-hmm. ten tapes for three dollars in the bag or whatever, and you didn't rip out. You could start the pirate music. So mm-hmm. once that happened, 
Yeah, I don't I don't know how to put the and I'm not for stealing music. Believe me, like yeah, I yeah, want yeah. artists to be compensated, mm-hmm. but I don't know where this is going at this point with, you know, Apple and CDs gone and, and you know, it, all forms of that kind of media, tangible media mm-hmm. gone now. I, I you know what? I relish the concert. Yes. I yes. Mean, I'm seeing uh-huh. the Stones this week. I, I oh, hope great. to see the Eagles again this week. Um, I'm hoping to see the black crows at some point, even though I'm pissed off about what happened with Gorman. Mm-hmm. I think he gets a little cut sticks is touring. Marcus King is touring later this month. The guitar player is just, he's the, if you see anything this year, go to the soundstage and see Marcus King play the guitar. Okay. Okay. I, I will do you, blow your mind. Yep. I've been out in the last couple of years, kind of seeing the stuff that I've grown up with, um, I'm thinking, you know, between there and the Heritage Fair and um, Rams. What's, What's your music, Mike? Wait, like when you say what you grew up with, like that could be a lot of things, right? Because yeah. I grew up with a lot of things at Dundalk Guy. 70s and 80s, um, and it's the heavier stuff. Um, oh, I, my, my favorite bands are Rush, Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, Okay, so you're uh, UFO. more on that edge. I got you. Yeah, okay, yeah. you're more on the Motorhead edge. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, um, I yeah. saw Priest at the anthem. Yes, Saxon. yes, I mean, yes. I'm a big I was Saxon there. Fan. Oh, I love them too. I was Saxon. a Saxon fan. Uh-huh. I saw Saxon open for Rush on February 26, 1980, at the Capitol Center. Okay. The first time I saw Rush, it was between Permanent Waves and Moving Pictures. They were playing yep. songs from mm-hmm. Moving Pictures. It was a little bit of a trial tour to play their music while they were recording, and then of course mm-hmm. Exit Stage Left came after that. Right. But right. Saxon opened on the Wheels of Steel. Mm-hmm. Uh, album and then i put motorcycle man and 747 and strangers in the night i mean and then after that mtv would play denim and leather yep. and and those songs but uh man, dude i love music man come on i thought music <laughs> all night man remember when johnny allen came to me said there's this band called except they have like this crazy yep. drummer it's crazy mm-hmm. drummer you know but i went to you know i went to middle school with johnny but the, the, that music i was at the priest maiden show uh i interviewed alfred back in 86 and 87 what mm-hmm. a wonderful man he came on my show a few years ago i mean he really is uh he is the 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 the, the torchbearer for heavy metal right like he really more so is, than yeah. dickinson mm-hmm. more so than anybody else i mean he is he is the embodiment of heavy metal Robin. He really is. He really is. He's the metal God. He's absolutely the metal God. And um, I'm glad that they're still out there going. You know, they're still out there going. You know, they're still um, there's I think there's plans for another album. They had, uh, you know, the one that did in 2018 where I saw him with Saxon. And um, I think they're getting ready to release something great else that too. night, by the way. They were great. Yes, they were. Yes, they were. And I saw him. Um, and that was uh, what was it? Not Thin Lizzy, but uh, Black star riders was with them too i think that night they played the pier one night didn't they i think so yeah yeah they did they did they played uh pier six right i was out of right. town that night but they played uh-huh. the pier my buddy al went al Coachella, man my dude okay music. you know i love m3 i don't love all the metal bands right like i interviewed mm-hmm. a lot of them back in the day i love tesla mm-hmm. if tesla's playing i'm going i love tesla um of that genre i mean but i, I like night ranger i like yeah. seeing the. i, I like I saw Slaughter. I saw the one of the versions of L.A. Guns. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've seen Stephen Piercy try to sing rat songs. Uh, what I don't like is when the bands are not uh, appointed well. And mm-hmm. I think we could all say, say we've seen sports 
athletes go over the hill and bands go over the hill. I think now with all the pitch control and all the sort of layering and fake stuff and the uh-huh. performance part of it, I think most bands have figured out how to get up on stage. And even if they're not fully playing all of their stuff to some degree, uh-huh. I'll give you an example. <clears throat> and you can Google this. Are you an alarm fan by any chance? The alarm? Oh, I knew a little bit about them. They weren't like the main thing I followed, but I was aware of them. And I you know, heard some of their material back in the Come on days. down yeah. and meet your maker. Come on down and make the stand, you know? So mm-hmm. they had the big hair. They were like post-punk spirit of 76, not quite the sex pistols or like pill, but like, but more like you too, really like <laughs> yeah, at, yeah. at heart. Right. Mm-hmm. So the alarms, one of my all-time favorite bands mm-hmm. and, um, and they were four piece and, you know, drug habits and, one guy went on to just become a firefighter. He didn't want to tour the world anymore. But Mike Peters was the guitar player, blonde songwriter, passion man. He's beaten leukemia five times. Mm. He founded this group. My wife's a two-time leukemia survivor, so it's special to me. Well, that's uh, a group good to called know. Yeah. Love, Hope, Strength. Look, look up Love, Hope, Strength. Uh-huh. They do a lot of swabbing at events and at concerts. They're big in the music space. Uh, love, hope, strength, Mike Peters in the alarm. And I've seen him, bro. I'm such a fan, right? I mean, if you go back and see their shows in the eighties, very electrifying, the best show I ever saw at Hammerjacks. And I saw, I don't know, yeah. four or 500 shows at Hammerjacks, Ozzy kiss, go down the list. GNR. Um, the alarm was the best show I ever saw at him. Right? It was, <laughs> it was just one of those electrifying nights where he was special. He just, the crowd, it, it was just the sweat coming off the ceiling. It was that night, you know, and they were such a great band, such a great live band. And he went through a period where he did acoustic. He did storytelling before it was cool. He did it. You know, he did all of that stuff. But about three years ago, he did something that I had not seen. He brought out a little bit of a click track mini band. Yep. And he played one guitar all night and it changed. From a, I don't I don't know instruments that well. But he came out and did like a full band ensemble of his music yeah, that was yeah. electrifying in a club, but uh-huh. it wasn't um, taxing from a band. It was him and his wife carrying computers and equipment and him and the guitar, but it sounded and felt bigger. And I had never seen anything like it. Maybe on a street corner, you've seen a one guy do a whole band right oh yeah yeah he was sort of doing that sort of a thing Mm -hmm. but i hadn't seen it 35 years later translated in that way that i found to be interesting and compelling in a way that if getty lee came out on a stage and just Mm -hmm. did his part right right that maybe and i'm not saying that should happen i'm just saying Artists are doing different stuff now. And because of that, I'm willing to be flexible in whatever. I mean, look at Phil Collins trying to put Genesis together in a couple of weeks, right? Mm -hmm. And come out and do this when he physically, you know, Eric Clapton's tone deaf. I mean, it's all sort of as well as brain dead, apparently. But, um, but, but, uh, you know, a lot of these artists at the end, you have to say, is it worth 300 bucks? Is it worth 500 bucks? I felt like Aerosmith was ripping people off a couple of years ago, you know? And yet I went and saw Hall and Oates the other night. They were unbelievable. Atlantis was unbelievable. I've never seen the Eagles better than they were four weeks ago. And I, and I love me some Glenn Fry. He's gone, but I've seen, Bands now do. Um, I saw Hootie and the Blowfish come back together two years ago, 
25, 30 years later and just mm-hmm. sell out sheds and make people happy. Music makes people happy, bro. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Oh, it and, sure does. It sure and that's does. really, that's what the plague took away from us that right now I think we're all squeezing mm-hmm. out. I know you'd love to talk sports and all, but I love music, man. And music is seeing Meriwether grown up now and how beautiful it is, seeing the anthem, seeing these new venues, seeing old venues do well, uh-huh. seeing people trying to bring Hammerjacks back to life. I um, I hope I live long enough to see all that and experience it all, you know? Yeah, yeah, I I, um, I agree with you. I really think, you know, um, after this you know year and a half and, you know, it looks like that we're still uh, – you know, there are a couple of things that are still out there that are still unknown yet, but I really think, you know, we've had all these creative people kind of cooped up for a year and a half. I really think once things are fully back open and open for good, we're really going to see a renaissance in this country when it comes to arts, music, theater, all kinds of things are going to be coming out. And, um, you know, not only are you know these creative people going to finally get a chance to burst and get all this stuff that they've had cooped up for a year and a half out there people are sick and tired of you know having to meet their friends over zoom you know they want to get out to the venues and be able to see these things too so i think there's going to be a hell of a market for it you know um, i've even been seeing that in my own shows when i do my murder mystery shows um people are starting to come out and they're glad to finally be out again now again you know we still have some restrictions we can't be stupid yet um but I think, um, you know, the entertainment world is in for some big things once this finally gets under control. Now, do you agree? I uh, wholeheartedly. And for people who do love live anything, whether it's yeah. theater, um, mm-hmm. you know, in any of those capacities, the outside space and the way to think about it. You know, I yep. was down with uh, um, uh, the, the folks running the new Hammerjacks, and they were expressing mm-hmm. to me that if they were to do it their, the perfect way, there'd be an indoor part of the stage and an outdoor part where you on the right nights, six, seven, eight months a year now as global warming picks up, that <laughs> Hammerjacks would have been a better club if you could lift mm-hmm. the roof off of it. It had that sunroof. Yeah, but yeah. If, if, if you could have extended the back of it out onto a patio that was just open air where people could smoke whatever they're smoking, uh, back in the day, um, that would have made it an even, well, that's what Meriwether yeah. is, right? That's what makes Meriwether yeah. special is that I'm out on the lawn and Alanis is stalking the stage singing. You ought to know. Mm-hmm. And then you're out on the lawn under the stars and the whole place hushes and she does uninvited to end the show uh-huh. and you want to cry. You know what I mean? Because it's so, there was a rainbow that appeared when Jackson Brown was singing running on empty. Oh, I wow. looked to the left wow. and there was a double rainbow outside of Meriwether on the huh. night of the Jackson Brown, James Taylor show. So Google that rainbow. I'm like, DJ got it. Donna, Donna Jean Rumbly, 107. She got a great picture of the rainbow that I stole, mm-hmm. I borrowed yeah. um, for that. <laughs> but it's, it's moments like that and being outside, being with friends, mm-hmm. took my son and his wife to see Hall and Oates the other night, ran into friends, had beer out on the deck. Lovely night. The moon's over there. There's Daryl. There's, there's John. There's Squeeze playing Tempted and Black Coffee in bed and KT mm-hmm. Tunstall. I mean, these, these these were things that were taken away for 18 months that yeah. I that more than sports, more than 
movies or television or even travel to some degree because a lot of the travel I do is to show up and see U2 in Tokyo or U2 yeah. in Seoul, Korea, or I wish I could peel away this weekend and go see Pearl Jam do their thing out in Southern California. But um, <laughs> I thought Sammy Hagar was bringing the circle here this week, but he's not. But as mm-hmm. you can tell, I'm musicked up and I oh, do yeah. feel like we're going to wind up going inside a little bit this winter and it might not, you know, the plague is not going to go well in parts of this country where mm-hmm. people are idiots. And I don't know what that's going to mean for bands. I mean, Paul Stanley, uh, you know, got COVID last month. Kiss was out on the road. Then they're mm-hmm. not. I'm sitting right now. I could show you. I have Pearl Jam tickets on my app uh-huh. for two shows in Oakland, California that I've wow. had for a year and a half. The Baltimore show. Remember, they were playing mm-hmm. the Royal Farms Arena. Yeah. Uh, that ticket's not on my app. It's on my girl Jenny's app. But mm-hmm. uh, but I, I'm invited to that one, too. So whenever they rev up the engine and go out and play, um, I've been sitting on Stones tickets in Pittsburgh. That show is October the 4th at Heinz Field. A couple Mondays from now. I hope Mick makes it. Lord knows we lost you know Charlie. And mm-hmm. um, when the Eagles played last month, the last song of the night, and it was kind of... Um, have you seen the Eagles before? Are you an Eagles fan? You're Don Henley fan I like at all? the Eagles. I've never seen them in concert, though, but I ha- I do. I, yeah, well, you know, Henley talks to the crowd, and Henley's political, and he talks mm-hmm, to the yeah. crowd at the end of the end of the night. Mm-hmm. Mike, they played three hours and 21 minutes. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, they were unbelievable. Vince Gill was unbelievable. Unbel- unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the end of the end, they've done every song. They got one song. They've, they've done Desperado. They've done everything. They had best of my love left and they came out, mm-hmm. they dedicated to Charlie and, and Don Henley. And this is a almost macabre, almost like mm-hmm. a Jack Nicholson shining thing at the end, the end of the night. He said, I'll dedicate this to Charlie. Go see him while you can. Oh, wow. <laughs> Jeez. Well, Glenn Fry's not over here anymore. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you takes on a different tone when you think about it like that so i'm going to see him while i can i've never been to nebraska how's nebraska this time of year they got corn out there what do you think oh well um i would say uh, yeah i would say they probably have the uh, the tail end of the crop for the summer and I'm in. Uh, yeah omaha here i come for oh absolutely Gordon, absolutely don henley and joe walsh and right. timothy b schmidt singing i can't tell you why one more time you know yep Yep. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I had heard from so many people that went to see that show and they just told me how phenomenal it was. I mean, it was just absolutely um, incredible. Um, I wanted to ask you a bit about, you know, Baltimore positive. I've been listening to your shows lately. I think you do a great job with it. And I really uh, enjoyed listening to you tell about your crab cake tour throughout the state. Um, tell us about that. I tell you, I could have gone for that myself. Um. Look, man, I've been doing sports radio for 30 years. Mm-hmm. I've always sort of walked the edge of people saying, well, what the hell is he doing now? You know, what's mm-hmm. he getting into? And for me, I followed my passion. It's the reason I got into this music and uh, was my passion at the paper. Uh-huh. Um, and we had just had a sports writer reunion this weekend at the Guinness factory with all the, the news American and the sun, the guys I work with. Mm-hmm. And they all remember me covering music when I was 17 18, 19 years old, and you follow your passion, you know, and for me, sports was my thing, the Orioles, then the Ravens. I'm 53 now, and, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I sort of like connecting people has become my passion, and storytelling, and having people way smarter than me 
who have great stories to tell. Come on and educate me. And, and you know, Wise Markets is one of my sponsors. I sold them on the thought that I have wise conversations, intelligent conversation, um, that I'm trying to find people with wisdom and have them teach me while they teach you. Yeah. And yeah. it's a it's an open social studies course. We mm-hmm. do tons of football. The Ravens won this week. We talk about them. If they lose this week, we talk about them too. Um, <laughs> we're still in Owings Mills. Baltimore Positive has usurped all of the WNST platform that's now 23 years old. Um, this is the 30th year for me in radio. December 13th will be my 30th anniversary doing radio on a daily basis. Um, I took a respite and hired a lot of people, which really became my competitor at this point. Um, and I decided to follow what Howard Stern was doing, what Joe Rogan was doing what Ellen and Oprah do on a daily basis, which is try to make the world a better place. Yeah. Trying to put people together, telling stories about putting people together. Uh, My wife was diagnosed with leukemia in uh, 2014. My -hmm. wife is diabetic and did not Mm. know her blood type. Her blood type was B positive. Oh, okay. Right, right, right. B positive became a mantra. Mm-hmm. And we used it as a hashtag, be more positive, B-M-O-R-E positive. And when I went to uh, think about a new brand, when my friend Don Moeller, my high school guidance counselor, and one time social studies teacher at Lansdowne High, Baltimore County, uh, when he was running Baltimore County after the death of Kevin Kamenitz, I was considering running for mayor. Mm-hmm. I, w- I wanted to put a platform together that would be credible. Um, and when I went to get be more positive, or B-E-M-O-R-E positive. They were squatted on, but no one wanted Baltimore positive. And I'm like, I'm going to be Baltimore positive because mm-hmm. that's what I am. Yep. Um, and I decided to, to bring my brand together with the crab. The crab came because I opened the crab at Fadley's and Damie Hahn there showed me how to clean it a different way. Okay. And I had a video that had three and a half million views. Go to Facebook and just Google Nestor crab video. It pops right up. Uh, and you can see this miracle way to crack a crab that they didn't teach us about in Dundalk, Mike. Uh, and I was 50 years old when it happened three years ago. So this crab thing happened. I've been eating. I ate the Ray Lewis's first crab he ever ate in his life was with me at the barn. Oh, nice. Uh, nice. Crab. Yeah, that's true. 1996. That's very true. Night after the Raiders game. He didn't even know he didn't know how to touch it. He didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> By the middle of the season, he was ordering three dozen from Joey over there. But um, but 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 crabs have always been a part of my life. You know, East Baltimore crabbing. Costas has been a sponsor forever. Al Seafood. All the family's been with me forever. My friends at Fadley's. Um, so the crab cake tour. Uh, became a little bit of ping pong democracy for me with the world so divided. Uh, you know, a lot of my you know ill-advised friends supporting this lunatic who ran the country for four years, uh, who should be in a prison somewhere under a prison. Um, that they're a little misguided, but maybe getting a crab cake and a beer would be a way to discuss his criminality or you know talk further more about January sixth or any other issue that what you like or don't like about Joe Biden or Larry Hogan or Johnny O or Stuart Pittman or Barry Glassman or Brandon Scott or any of these other people, uh, Ben Cardin, Chris Van Hollen. I have everybody on the show who's sane, who could come on with some credible say anybody that's going to tell me vaccines don't work and kiss my ass and and take a hike because I'm not I'm not putting Russian propaganda on my airwaves. I have an FCC license. So I, I, I I've dealt in fact who, what, where, why, when as a journalist my whole life. It's my mm-hmm. father taught me that way. My mother taught me that way. Every journalist I've ever been with, it's been my life's work 
to get it truth. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. this is a platform for me to open the door to that, to open the door to conversation for beer, uh, maybe even a, you know, a, a, a Bloody Mary over a crab cake mm -hmm. and the crab cake tour is something we're going to be doing every Friday. The Maryland lottery signed on to sponsor it. Let yourself play. And, uh, every Friday I'm going to be going neighborhood to neighborhood. This week I'm in Hampstead. Uh, oh, last good. week I was in Dundalk. I'm in, uh, Gardenville, uh, oh. maybe Laraville with the mayor, Brandon Scott on October the 8th. We're going to be with him having a Coco's crab cake. That's his favorite mm -hmm. crab cake. And also gives me a chance to say, Hey, Mike, what's your favorite crab cake? And then I say, well, let's do the show at your place. Well, where do you want to have it? So where, where's your favorite crab cake? Oh, I love Costas. I love Costas. Well, I was there on Friday with Johnny O and I did. I, I pulled like a little left-handed move. Well, mm -hmm. first things first, you said you would have gone to the, where did you go? I would have, I went to Calvert Hall. Oh, the hall. <laughs> yes, oh, sir. Okay. I know. I so my son went to the hall, Perry Hall, you know. Okay. So, uh, okay. Uh, but Johnny O taught at Patapsco and went to Spares yeah. Point and I mm -hmm. went to Dundalk. So it becomes this Bermuda Triangle conversation of who owns Bear Creek and who gets the, the Golden Domes and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But uh, I went to Costas on the Crab Cake Tour and didn't get a crab cake. I got the Crab Imperial because okay. I love, love, love their Crab Imperial. And my yeah. wife tonight heated up the remnants of this, the cream spinach they have at Costas. Oh, that's good. It is the best cream spinach on earth. So I oh, swear yeah. by it, but that's, um, I mean, being from Dundalk, I tell everybody we had a hundred places that had crab cakes as a kid. Oh Ross's, yeah. House and Neptune's Ruggiero's. Mm -hmm. I mean, just go down the list of all of the, every sub shop in Dundalk had an incredible crab cake. Yes, they Sanino's did. Yes, in my did. neighborhood, Nico's, they had, a, they all had a decent Filetti's. They mm -hmm. all had a crab cake that didn't stink. Yep. And I'll tell you what, everybody's mom made excellent different versions of crab soup too. Oh, we made a pot. Yep. Two weeks ago, I'll leave you on this, but because uh, you're going to get me hungry. My wife didn't love crab, didn't like mm -hmm. crab for the first 15 years of our marriage. She had two bone marrow transplants from a German donor in 2014 and 15. And through this DNA, she's a completely different human being. Like mm -hmm. her blood is his blood, literally. It's science, kind of like vaccines. You wonder why I believe in vaccines because mm -hmm. I sat over at Hopkins watching doctors keep my wife alive. I trust them. It's a good idea. So, so my wife's taste buds changed. Huh. So she likes different things now. When she she's more, she was always very adventurous about trying things, but she likes things she didn't like before. Yeah. So, yeah. so crab has become one of these things and obey and like the saltiness and all that. She has a taste for it now. So we, I told her in February, I'm doing this crab cake tour. She's like, you're nuts. I'm like, yeah, they'll all say that till I come back and the governor has a crab cake with me. Um, but they told me I was nuts doing sports radio back in 92, but so <laughs> yeah, here we are. So she's eat, she eats the crab cake with me and I had 42 crab cakes in 30 days. Cause I had a couple of doubles and went to some places twice in a day when I was in some odd places. And she like, started ordering the crab soup in places because we would ask the server what's good here. Oh, the crab soup. I'm like, all right, it's five bucks. Get a cup of, it. we'll check it out. You know? And we didn't have anything that was great. We didn't have any memorable crab soup. We had right, a lot right, of right. memorable crab cakes. I mean, I had 15 or 20 crab cakes that were delicious, great, awesome. And I had five or six that were otherworldly. And I had five or six that stunk. And I had 10 that were, you know, they were, they were good. They were fine. They were seven. They were an eight. They weren't extraordinary. So mm -hmm. along that pathway, no good crab soup. 
So my wife, we get back and I did my final tour stops at uh, Al Seafood now in Dundalk of Essex of Highland Town of Hooper's uh-huh. Island. It's a long story. And Chad's place burned down. He's had some hardships and family hardship. Want to help him out, promote his place a little bit. And my friends at Costas have been there. They've been my sponsors for 20 years. My mother ate in their million. My mother ate in Al's too. And Mr. Al was a bone marrow transplant. Uh-huh. They're all, they're like my children. They're all my sponsors. They're all family to me. Right. So my wife wants to make crab soup. And I said, they're all right, look, we're going to go over, we're going to get a snowball because the season's ending and I got to go to Dundalk and get an icy delight. We're going to go over to Costas. We'll get some crabs at Costas. We'll get some crabs at, at Al's. We'll pull the legs off. And the seasonings are different. I said, so you're going to get a different flavor. They're very different. Yeah. So yeah. we took the legs and my wife, who is, you've heard of the soup Nazi and Seinfeld. She's the soup queen. <laughs> yeah. My wow, wife is okay. the soup queen. My wife makes soup better than anybody. I'll put my wife's soups against anyone but the secret is you can't eat it till like day three or four or five it has to sit in the refrigerator it's the only way it gets any good i've learned Mm -hmm. this but my wife makes like absurd soups name it split pea chili bean lentil and and, and, uh, a sauce i mean name it so she's never made crab soup so Mm -hmm. she we get up several recipes is the way we do things checked all of it and i said to her look Let's go kitchen sink with this, okay? So we went over to Chad. He had done WBAL promoting this crab tasting that they're having in Laurel, this Mm -hmm. crab tasting. And he had a pound of Maryland crab meat that he was using for the demonstration that he couldn't sell. He's like, here, take this home, put this in your crab meat. It's two days old. It's perfect. It's been in my fridge. Perfect. Can't sell it, but it's yours. It's lump, Maryland Mm -hmm. lump, right? So now I got lump crab meat. I got legs from Al's, legs from Costas. My wife and I, Wise Market sponsors us. They had fresh okra, fresh Uh white silver queen corn, fresh green beans. We had fire roasted tomatoes. I told my wife, bacon, onions. Here's the secret. Cabbage, cabbage, right? I've had that. She made a five-gallon thing that we put 15 legs in this we put a pound of the crab later day three we added the crab she seasoned this thing down mike it was the best crab soup i've ever had in my life she was trying to remember everything she put in but she put in dijon mustard she put in dry mustard she put in worcestershire we put in celery seed we put in jo we put in old bay we just threw okra everything Huh. It was like a stew. It was so delicious, man. It was wow. Wow. You're giving me some ideas for mine now because I make it too. Um, my secret is that I use, um, I, I juice tomatoes and use okay. the, the broth as compared to, because some people use a beef broth actually for No, it. no, no. I, we had a place oh. with beef. We, it was, it was, it was wrong. Yeah. It was really yeah. wrong. I used tomato. She used chicken stock in this. Huh. And chicken. she was okay. questioning okay. whether she should or shouldn't. And I said, use it. Mm-hmm. All of her soups have this richness because of the chicken stock she uses in it. She mm-hmm. uses it in the, in the sausage and lentil. She uses it in our split pea and ham. Mm-hmm. Like she uses chicken stock and it works. And she, you know, she sweat down carrots, onions, as you made a roux basically. Right. And sweat that down with bacon, mm. bacon in the beginning, fire roasted tomatoes, fire roasted tomatoes gives mm-hmm. it that that extra, that, that kick, you know, and, and then just every vegetable. Oh, she had fresh lima beans, fresh, okay. not, not out of a can. 
right. fresh lima beans in this thing. Lima beans, green beans, okra, corn, potatoes. Yeah, potatoes. Okay. For potatoes too. And ba- I mean, it was it, it was just it was outrageous. So there you go. There's my tip for the day. And don't forget the okra. It makes okay. it a little slimy. Get past it. It makes yeah, it yeah. a little bit more. It's rich. It gives it thickness. It gives mm-hmm. it body. It makes it a stew. You don't want a thin suit. Nobody no. wants thin suit. Nope, nope, nope. Not at all. Not at all. That sounds you want great. To do rock and roll soup. What else you need? Ravens? Yeah, well, yeah, anything here. I wanted to just uh, ask a couple of things. You had mentioned, you know, uh, you got together with a bunch of sports writers. Um, by the way, my dad is in the uh, Dundalk High School Sports Hall of Fame. He led uh, the Baltimore County in 1962 for Dundalk High. He was the scoring leader in basketball. That was the year they lost to Towson in the championship, but that was 65. the first 62, 62. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. And, um, he, uh, worked for the news American. You were talking about sports writers and, um, he would go around when he was in high school and gather the sports scores and bring them all into the news American worked under Vince Bagley. And he told me, um, he was at a, at a rotary club meeting or something years later, and Vince Bagley was the guest speaker. He goes over to Vince Bagley after the talk and he says, hi, Mr. Bagley. And he goes, oh, hi, Bob. He says, oh, you remember me from all those years ago at the news American and Vince Bagley looked at him and said, no, you have a name tag on. (laughs) (laughs) Vince was great, man. Dean, we lost him last year. Yeah. Um, You know, I'll give you my Vince Bagley stories. Vince was on television. Vince was the first sportscaster I loved. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's special, different. I mean, no offense to Jack Dawson, who I never knew. Right, right. And I right. didn't really ever ever meet Jack Dawson, and people mm-hmm. think that's weird. Jamie Costello's blown away. Keith Mills is blown away. Norm Lewis. They were all like, "You never met Jack Dawson." And I'm like, "I never met Jack." Dawson. I was intimidated by Jack Dawson. I worked with Bill Burton. And mm-hmm. on my crab cake tour uh, at the Evening Sun, Bill Burton was on Channel 2. He was the fisherman with the yes, pipe I remember him. back in the day, right? So the Channel 2 crew. But there were only there was only 211 and 13. And 13, they had a different seat for sports. Nick Charles left when I was a little boy yep, to yep, go to yep. CNN. And they had Klaus Wagner. Klaus and, uh, Wagner. We lost Randy Blair, the great Randy Blair. Oh, I remember that. that. Urine, right? So, but as a kid, Vince was forever and, mm-hmm. and Chris Thomas. So as a side note, Don Moeller, when I was a boy, when I was a 13-year-old boy in high school in 1982, uh, Don Moeller told me I was going to be the next Chris Thomas. Well, in 1982, he told me that. So nice. I always uh, – I give him a hard time about that. But Vince was the man, uh-huh. and Vince was on TV. And when I started at the News American in 1984, I found the picture um, from that – the old newsroom – um, if I could share, I, I probably can actually share this picture with, uh, with your audience here. I, okay. I don't have sharing privilege, but if you give it to me, I, I okay. share it because this picture was actually taken from the, uh, from the news American right in the newsroom back in the day. This is 1984. I, 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 if I could share, I'll share it on my Twitter for sure. But there's all of these old papers laying around and all of these old file cabinets and all this old stuff from Stedman. And I was the intern of all interns. I was 15 years old, walking around, working four hours twice a week. And they're like, hey, kid, go over there, clean that up. And to me, oh, my God, my encyclopedia brain going through these file cabinets and finding clips of Vince Bagley. Mm -hmm. I never knew Vince Bagley worked at the newspaper until I was in the newspaper in the sports department where this picture was taken that I have literally in that room. I found Vince's clips and I'm like. 
Vince Bagley started as a writer. I know I'm on the right path being at the paper then. Because if I want to be Vince, I'm in the place that Vince was in the beginning. So Vince is very special to me. Mm-hmm. I honored Vince with a nice guy award back in the 90s. And when he passed, I found a tape of Vince and Clem Florio, who was like an uncle to me. Clem was a boxer. Oh, <laughs> you baby doll. He bet the ponies. Clem, Clem Florio. Uh, and he was great friends with Larry King. And Clem was a uh, a, a, a real renaissance, man. Wonderful, wonderful man. I played bocce with Clem in Little Italy with my son when he was a little boy. Clem and Clem's a legend. He and Vince were contemporaries, and uh, I honored them on the same night mm-hmm. at Michael's Eighth Avenue, where I was married in 2003. They used to have the fights down there. And I found an hour long conversation that night of the two of them sitting down telling old stories. Mm-hmm. And I found this when Vince died last year. And I have all of these tapes. It's funny that I'm wearing this cassette. Yeah, I have yeah. all the cassettes from the 90s, everything mm-hmm. I've ever done. And you ask about Baltimore Positive. It's a repository for all of that stuff. So my interview with David Bowie, my interview with Rob Halford, all of it is it lives up on BaltimorePositive.com. You can put it in in a search if you just put. Judas Priest into the search. Rob Halford will pop up and you can listen to 25 minutes of me rambling on with Rob Halford in 1986 at, at the at the Tremont Hotel after the show. Uh, or you can hear the one from 2017 uh, or 18, whenever he was out with the Anthem show. So all the stuff I have in my career, I've tried to keep. Um, and a lot of that lives. So um, those are great memories. And I hope to be the Baltimore historian, right, of of music and sports and now hopefully making our city better. Because that's really what, you know, I want to lift the city, not personally, but by bringing people together. People need to know each other for us to be a community. And there have been too many walls, silos around race, color, creed, economics, uh, you know, where you live, uh, mm-hmm. redlining, all, all of these horrible things that have happened here that we we need to make it better. And that's that's my mission with Baltimore Positive. And that doesn't mean that I can't talk sports or have Cal Ripken on or talk about last night's game or tomorrow's game or be there when the Orioles ever get better again. Mm. We'll see. Time will tell. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I, I've been yeah. fighting that battle, you know, my entire career. And I'm just sick of it. I, I'd rather mm. be doing good things. That would That would make me feel more fulfilled as a human being. I really salute you for what you're doing with that, because I have listened and I really like how you're able to get all kinds of people from different points of view and everything and have a civil discussion about the things you want to talk about in a, you know, positive environment, you know. Um, well, when people say the city hostile. sucks, you know what I yeah. say to them? Well, tell yeah. me we're going to fix it. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, well, you better have somebody better have a solution. Mm-hmm. We fixed Medellin. We fixed Detroit. Cleveland, the lake was on fire. They fixed it. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, right, right, this right. place was a self-proclaimed shithole in 1971, 72, when Mayor mm-hmm. Schaefer found that we had race riots. We had all sorts of problems, economic and racial and otherwise. And, you know, one day we rose again. We built an inner harbor that was the rage of the country at one point. Mm-hmm. We built these stadia. We maybe get a World Cup here. You know, uh, we, we we can do it. We can do it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just yep. it's about education. And it's about people and it's about community. And I believe that. And um, mm-hmm. until I take my last breath, that's what I'm going to stick with for now. Well, that's great. That's great. I, I really like I said, I really salute what you're doing there. And uh, and that's you know the, the one thing that I'm really trying to do here is to give people an alternative. You know, I really don't talk politics. I really don't talk, you know, no sex, no religion, no politics on the show. But what we do have around here 
is a wonderful, wonderful heritage in the entertainment. And why no sex? What's the problem with that? How's that? Well, <laughs> you know, um, we have, I mean, there are so many great bands and such a history of, you know, independent television stations with all kinds of great memories coming from it. You know, these bands like, you know, we had, you know, kicks DC star. We had a great music scene in the eighties here where, Is it love? you know, yeah. yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean, there's I just so much. Back yeah. In the day. And is it you? And um, a teardrop it, says no rainbow. I remember that. Yep. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. a good one. Is yeah. it you? Yeah. Yep. Is it you? Yeah. All right. I love that one. See, now um, you're getting me. You're, you're going to have me like finding 45s or doing Google searches <laughs> at three in the morning for old videos and stuff. So yeah. I had DC Star as a guest. I had Dave Simmons and Glenn Jones on not too long ago, and nice. they were telling me about, you know, all the uh, the days in the clubs on the road, you know, hanging out with Zebra in New York City, playing with Twisted Sister up on Long Island. They were kind of... um they were really uh, based both here and in New York, and they were telling me a lot of stories about that. I've had um, Face Dancer on the show, uh, Scott McGinn. He was a great guest. Red shoes, man. Come yep. on, man. And uh, Bud Becker, I've had him on probably about six times, just telling me his stories from the road. I had him do two episodes on his days of booking talent at Hammerjacks. Um, there are some great stories out there. We really do have a great heritage in this area. And this is something for people to listen to together, reminisce and enjoy, you know, well, um, you know, we, and we, we lose people, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. um, we lost a dear friend of ours uh, a couple of months ago, uh, Johnny who worked at Arista and was just a, a, a and M oh, yeah, legendary, yeah, yeah. legendary guy and a wonderful, wonderful man. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I feel bad that I didn't plug him in and put him on the show. You know what I mean? That, right, that I didn't right. spend time with him. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm so grateful, uh, you know, for friends of mine that I've lost, or I was visiting with some mm -hmm. sports writers over the weekend, a dear friend of mine who had dementia, um, still with us, but not with us in that way any longer mm -hmm. that I spent time with them when they, they could share stories about Muhammad Ali or share stories about mm -hmm. things that I was interested in that only, that you know, you always heard when you were a kid, we should listen to our elders. That our elders yes. would have stories. Mm -hmm. That this is the way tribes and people lived, for, you know, for forever, right? So mm -hmm. I, I, I think with all the bullshit and disharmony that mm -hmm. goes on in the world, and all the 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 the, the fake news, so to speak, mm -hmm. of, yes, of yes. where we are, having people tell stories about polio is how we're going to get people vaccinated, right? Right. L literally. And my, my, I wish my parents were here to tell those stories right now, but they told yeah. me, so I'll tell you. So, uh, right, but right. man, it's been great. I, I'm happy to come back and visit with you anytime. Uh, uh, you mm -hmm. know, it's uh, it's been a busy time here as we kick off the football season and stuff, but uh, yeah. I hope to uh, bend the elbow with you at a concert that's not Steel Town. I mean, I don't know, that'd be a flea market <laughs> right now if we did that, right? We can go over there and get, I don't know, get a milkshake uh, or something, <laughs> <laughs> go over there and get a pretzel, you know, um, but yeah, just, you know, one, you know, I had, um, you know, a couple of older, you know, uh, radio guys on, you know, uh, Frank Luber told me about covering the Martin Luther King March and he stood next to Marlon Brando during the speech, wow. you know, um, Marlon Brando pulled out a cattle prod. And said, you know, they use this to torture people in the South. You want to feel it? And he's like, no, I'm trying to listen to Martin Luther King. Um, <laughs> and Marlon Brando had a cattle prod out. He also told me, you know, Alan Walden told me about how he broke the news of 
the JFK assassination. You know, on the radio station he was working on, he's at the station. News of the JFK assassination comes over the ticker tape. Now he has to break the news to the market that he was in at the time. He told me all about that. I mean, there is so much history with the people in this area. You know, I had Captain Chesapeake's daughter tell me basically the first 20 years of history of Channel 45. Um, you see her at a lot of concerts, too. She's really nice. Um, but, you know, I, I really wanted to put this podcast together to kind of capture this history. And to be able to share it with people. And the one thing that got me started, and I know, um, you know, you've got to wrap it up here. I'm also a musician. I played, you know, an open mic number of years ago and there, and I'm not going to mention names. Okay. But a couple of uh, younger millennial guys were running it. And there was a person from a, you know, very well-known legendary Baltimore area band in there uh, waiting to perform. Okay. So, uh, and we were signed up and everything. And, um, another young fella comes in and he says, okay, I'll get you on right after that old guy over there. And I was like, do you know who that is? The kid had no clue who it was. And I'm not going to say who it was. because I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I was like, you know, this kid, and it's not his fault. You know, he was too young to remember it, but you know, this person was in a well-known band that was just, you know, lighting the scene up, you know, in the eighties and seventies. And, you know, now he's, that's not just some old guy, you know, that's somebody with a lot of history and a lot of stories. And the thing is too, is that, you know, when these people start dying, that history is going to go with them. So I'm trying to really, you know, kind of capture that and, you know, get it out there so people can have a good time and reminisce and younger people can hear it. Well, I'm glad to be a part of it. I I feel like I'm doing the same thing when I get together with bands and update stories and do, I I have Mark Bryan on from Hootie and the Blowfish. He's from Silver Spring, Mm -hmm. Redskins, uh, uh, Terps guy, long Oriole fan, long suffering and all that. And he's got a solo (laughs) project, but catching up with people through life's journey to say, Mm -hmm. where were you? Where are you now? Where are you going? And, uh, and, and, and and I, 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 you know, I, a lot of musicians don't have that. The, the yeah. Newspapers used to do that. When I was the critic, they would mm-hmm. come through town and I'd interview them. There aren't a whole lot of places. And I think during COVID, I saw a lot of musicians doing Zooms for, you know, past the hat kind of things. Yeah. Having an outlet for musicians to tell their stories because mm-hmm. they have traveled. Every person I know that was in a real band has traveled and has seen the world in a completely different light in a rock and roll band mm-hmm. than someone that no offense, never left Dundalk or never left Baltimore or only has been past ocean city and been yep. to Walt Disney world. Once if you've been out on the road with a band, I had a guy reach to me, this is the power music and I'll let you go on this, but he, I had Tommy Conwell on my show. I love oh, sure. Tommy. I love yeah. the Young Rumblers, one of my favorite bands. I've known Tommy from the beginning. He was one of the guys that could have made it, could have been a billionaire, wasn't, didn't, went back, taught school, taught elementary school, works in his family business now. Um, humble, regular Philadelphia guy, you know, <laughs> and did the interview with him. And one of his people saw it because he didn't do a lot of interviews. He's yeah. a little... He didn't really want to do it at, you know, a little bit when I got him on, it was fun for him, but he doesn't do a lot of that. He's not looking to put a light on himself because he was famous enough for his tastes. Right. Yep, yep. As he, he said, I got enough people to know who I am. I don't. And I, and I love that. He's not yeah. looking to tour the world or be in a band or be on Letterman again, did all that, you know, and one of his guitar techs saw the interview reached to me on Facebook 
And from the stories we told from the 80s, told me that he was a kid who is illegally in Tommy's entourage as a guitar tech. <laughs> yeah. He said he was 15 showing up at Hammerjacks when I was 15 showing up at Hammerjacks because <laughs> we're the same age. Yeah, and yeah. Listen to this. This is the neatest thing. He caught on with a band who caught on with a band. He became Joe Perry's guitar tech. He's been all over the world with 10 different bands you've heard of. You know, the Santana's in this band and that band and whatever. He's it's all he's ever done. He's our age. He's 53 years old. Looks like he has a beautiful home up in New Jersey. And he took a different pathway in life. But he's literally been all over the world with Bon Jovi, uh-huh. with, you know, like, and that's a cat you want on your show. That, yeah, yeah. That's when yep. you know when somebody's got tread on their tire, mm-hmm. little, you know, a little silver coming in up here. You yep. know, that that's what some shit's gone wrong for him, you know, at some point <laughs> along the line. Uh, you know, as Mike Tyson said, they got punched in the first round, you know, and how they responded. <laughs> so there you have it. Mike, it's been a pleasure coming on with me. I appreciate you making time for me. Nestor, thank you so much for being here. Um, would you like to you know, just give your plugs real quick before we wrap it up? Oh, everybody knows who the hell I am. Yeah, Papa <laughs> Joe was my Papa Joe Chevalier did a show after me and national radio. They wanted you to like say your name, say the station, say the call letter, kiss the ass of all the affiliates. They, they had all these things you needed to do. And I was good at all of them. You know, welcome back. I'm Nestor Nestor Aparicio. You're listening to 101 Smarts. So that you, you wanted to say your name because if in case Mike saw it and had a book this month, he'd write down what he was listening to. Remember sure, the time sure. you spent listening to the fan. Um, so <laughs> they did all these little tricks. And I remember Papa Joe, we'd be sitting in a production meeting and Mark Jenskow, who was, I'm not going to say how I felt about Mark Jenskow. He gave me an opportunity in life, but yeah. So he would sit in the meeting <laughs> and he would say, now, now guys, you, 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 you got to say your name, Joe, 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 Joe. And Papa Joe was the irascible, old, salty, from York, Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh fan, lived in Vegas, loved me to tears. And I'll do my best Papa Joe for you, right? Everybody listen to Papa Joe Chevalier. Go Google him. He was a legend. And we, we lost him. And uh, mm. one of my favorite people. Still owes me a steak at Burns Steakhouse, that bastard. He better pay up in heaven when I get up there. There better, <laughs> there better be a dessert bar waiting for me. But he, he would sit in the meeting. He'd say, for Christ's sake, they all know my name. You listen to the goddamn show five nights a week. I'm not saying my name. I don't need to say my name. You say my <laughs> name. My name's in the bumper. It's in the crawl. It says, we're listening to Papa Joe. Why do I need to say my name? So anyway, so there's the plug. My name's Nestor. You can find me. I'm WNST in Baltimore Positive. So thanks for coming on. And thank you all for listening. This has been Nestor Aparicio on Foul Players Radio. And we'll see you all next time. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed our interviews with our guests, all with the intention of promoting the performing arts and preserving their history by sharing the wonderful stories of those who participated. You can now support Foul Players Radio on Patreon. Go to www.patreon.com slash foulplayersradio. Also, make sure you go to whatever platform on which you listen to Foul Players Radio and leave us a review and hopefully a five-star rating. Thanks again. And see you next time.